Well, that was Blake Barnes, one of our uh, sophomores in our student ministry, and we just thought that would really set the tone uh, for what we're talking about tonight specifically. Uh, real quick, I want to kind of introduce this weekend. If you grab your booklet and turn to page three, you'll see where it all started. King David is this dangerous follower of God that loves risk and doesn't mind danger around him. And as you read his story, as you see his life, you see him kill a giant. You see him take on the Philistines by himself. You see him get the greatest compliment ever paid by our creator in the Bible. God says, you're a man after my own heart. David lived this dangerous life where he didn't care what happened. He didn't care about the circumstances. He gave everything he had for the Father. And he blew it one night. And it started like a night that many of us can relate to. A sleepless night. He's walking around. And he's up on the roof of, uh, of where he lives. And he sees a woman from a distance named Bathsheba. And, and she's taking a bath, and, and she's naked, and David starts lusting. And, and this is a story, if it were a movie that, that, uh, that came out, your parents wouldn't let you watch it. Because he, he sees her, and he says, I've got to have her, even though she has a husband named Uriah. And David kind of flips the switch of living this spiritually dangerous life where he loves God, and then he harms her by having sex with her and gets her pregnant. And then he has Uriah killed to try and make things better, and he blows it. That's the wrong kind of danger. That's the wrong kind of risk, harming other people instead of being willing to do whatever it takes to live for God. And then he pins these words in Psalm 51, where he is at the rock bottom of his life. And it starts in verse 1. David says, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And then he says, For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. He's saying it's right up in front of my face. He says, Against you and you only I've sinned and done what is evil in your sight, God so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. How about that for an apology? And then in verse 7, he says, purify me with hyssop. And we'll talk about what that is. And then he says, wash me and I shall be clean. And then he says, I shall be whiter than snow. That's what we just sang about. That's what God did for David. That's what God wants to do for us. And if you want to live this dangerous life for God where you don't care if you lose friends, you don't care about your popularity, you don't care if people make fun of you, you don't care what happens in your life, you just want to live with Jesus, you have to start with this prayer. Clean me, God. Clean me. As I was getting ready for this talk, I, I was just trying to think of a story that, that could really illustrate what we're talking about here and, and how sin just gets into our life and gets a hold of us and how powerful it is. 
I was reminded of when I went to Africa a few years ago, and on the last day, we gave away all of our clothes, not all of them, like we wore the clothes that we had on, and, and then I decided on the last day to give away my shoes. And we're working in Nairobi, in the slums of Nairobi. There's a million people living in just trash, and they, ha they have no, like, sewage system. There's, there's uh, poop and pee everywhere, and, and as I take my shoes off, our trip leader said, Mike, that's a bad idea. You don't want to walk out there in the garbage. And I said, oh, whatever. You know, it's the last day of the trip. I'm excited. I'm going to go give my shoes to one of the pastors that's there. So I take off my shoes and I walk about a quarter of a mile just through trash, just some of the nastiest stuff you've ever seen. And I'm walking through and I'm coming back and I go home, and I really don't think much about it. And about a week later, I'm walking around. I worked at a car dealership at the time, and my right foot starts hurting. And I have to leave work early, and I go to this doctor, and I'm like, there's something going on in this foot. Like, I don't know what it is, but it's painful. And I went to Africa, and he's like, did you do any drugs? Did you use a dirty needle? And I'm like, no, I was on a mission trip. And... And so he, he lays me down on this table, and he takes a blade, and he opens up my foot like, like, a, like a circle that big on the top of my foot, and I'm screaming. He is digging. He said, there's something in there. I don't know what it is, but there's something in there. And he just worked on my foot for like five minutes and could never find anything. And I'm dying in pain. He's like, okay, this is what I need you to do. I need you to go home, and every night before you go to bed, I need you to sit, stick your foot in the bathtub, and I need you to push down on the area around the hole that I made. And I, and I was like, are, are you kidding me? And he's like, there's something in your foot, and you got to get it out. And I was like, okay, so I'm limping around. My, I'm dying in pain. He gives me drugs, and every night before I go to bed, I go into the tub and just scream in pain pushing down on my foot. About five days later, I'm in the tub and I'm pushing down and this little white head is like sticking out of my foot all of a sudden. And I'm like, no way. Holly, get the tweezers. And so she runs over, gives me the tweezers and I start pulling. There was a worm in my foot that long, not lying. And I actually have a picture of this, and I didn't bring it tonight because there's blood everywhere. And my wife just was like, no, people will throw up, and people don't like your dirty stories anyway. <laughs> I've been like, I've been like, like, I can't tell poop stories anymore. My wife, I'll, I'll be in trouble with her. And, but the worm story was okay, I guess. And, and, and literally, I'm not kidding. Like, this is for real. Two days later, I start getting a bump right here on my neck. And I start picking at it, and I pulled out a little worm, like that long, out of my neck. I've never had a worm since, but I want you to see the picture of what happened to me. This is huge. Because I walked through junk, I experienced an incredible amount of pain for days and days and days. And I needed my foot to get clean, like I needed whatever was in there that was making me miserable to come out. And if you don't have an attitude that gets honest and raw with God and says, God, I need you to clean me. And because he knows everything that's going on in your life, you just say, God, I need you to take the sin out of my life and make me clean. You'll never be able to live a devoted life for the Lord, ever. And the first step is always going to be motivated by the love of God. 
If, if you have a pen, I want you to write, down that, write that down in, the, in your booklet. Clean me is motivated by the love of God. Clean me is motivated by the love of God. Verse 1 in Psalm 51, he says, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. He's starting with the love of the Father, and that is the only place that he can stand. See, David realizes, I want you to see this, David realizes that he's got no other defense, he's got no other standing, he has no other hope, he has no other way out. David has to rely on the mercy of God. You see that? He's got no other defense. He can't say, God, I know I've killed a giant. I know I messed up here, but I've done some great things. Like I fought the Philistines. You said I'm a man after your own heart. He doesn't try and justify. He only stands on the mercy of God. And when you make a mistake, the only thing you can sit on, the only thing you can stand on, the only leg you have to stand on is God's mercy. That's it. Oftentimes, we come to God only because we're sorry we got caught doing something. We're like, man, we blew it. I don't know what I was thinking. But David comes to God because he's motivated by his mercy. He is positively, absolutely stricken by God's love for him. And I was trying to think about, I mean, how do you illustrate God's love for you? I mean, I mean, how do you illustrate coming to him because of his mercy? And, and I'm in community um, with Patrick Ryan Clark. He's in my community group. And, and he and I were having lunch the other day. And I was like, how do I illustrate that? And he was telling me um, that he came out of a, a time in his life where he was struggling with sin. Things just weren't going right. And he was like, I wrote a song about it. And I was like, dude, that would be the perfect way to illustrate what's going on here in the text. And so I've asked Patrick to come up and to play the song that he wrote based on what happened in David's life. Is that okay? Do y'all like PRC? Yes? So, so Patrick's going to play just this song called Mercy. And I hope that as he cries out, mercy, 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 that because of you seeing it illustrated like this, that when you wrestle with sin, that you would cry out, mercy, 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 because there's no other way you can go. There's no other place you can run to than God's mercy. So Patrick, real quick, do you want to just tell them a little bit about where you were coming from when you wrote that? Yeah, I, uh, I had very much a David moment in my life where, um, man, I was. I was living... And sin and struggling with some things, and uh, I came to a point when, when I I kept trying to uh, really fix myself, and I it, just one night it hit me that um, there's nothing that I can do without God's mercy, and so, so I did have that moment of uh, falling to my knees and um, crying out mercy, and the next day I wrote this song, and, uh, and so yeah, man, I want to play it, um, and this is kind of my story through this song. been walking in the rain for hours Lost car keys but at my door they fall out of my bag Man, such a drag And park myself in front of tea 
be sad One light room in one light town Not much up to get me down But it's early, yeah And I cry mercy, mercy, mercy And you said love is never easy Won't you song with me right here my savior loves my savior lives my savior's always there for me my god he was my god he is my god is always gonna be my savior loves my savior lives my savior's always there for me my god he was my god he
yeah. Thank you, buddy. That is the cry that we should shout out to the Lord every time you fail, every time you sin, every time you stumble. God, because of your love, because of your mercy, I need you to hold me and I need you to clean me. Every time you shout mercy, it's motivated by the love of God. Every time you want God to cleanse you, it is motivated by God's love for you. What does that look like for you right now? I mean, have you been leaning on his mercy or have you been leaning on your best efforts to try and meet people's needs around you, your parents' needs, or are you standing in the middle with God's mercy surrounding you? Because if you're not, God can't clean you. Well, it doesn't begin and end with with being motivated by the love of God. See, clean me also understands the weight of sin. When you read verses 2, 3, and 4, David says, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. He says, For I know my transgressions and my sin. He's saying it's right in front of my face. It's ever before me. And he says, Against you and you only I've sinned and done what is evil in your sight. You're justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. David understood the weight of his sin, and he wasn't just sorry that he got caught. He understood the weight of what he had done. And we, as followers of Christ, we have to understand the weight and the consequences that come with every sin that we commit. This is huge for us. John Stott, uh, just a a preacher that I've loved over the years, a quote from him. He says, until you see the cross as being done by you, you will never appreciate that it is done for you. That's, That's one of those that I would write down if you had a pen. Until you see the cross as being done by you, you will never appreciate that it's done for you. Like, Like how often do you think about that? That that is the weight of my sin? That is the weight of your sin? Like the weight of your sin 2,000 years ago made God wrap himself in flesh and die an incredibly painful and shameful death for us? See, until we understand that our sin led Jesus to the cross, we will never appreciate what he did for us. We will never understand fully the weight of our sin, the mistakes that we've made. See, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says, you were dead in your transgressions. Before you came to Christ, like before you met him as your savior spiritually, you were dead. I mean, that is weighty. That is huge. That is powerful. Before you come to Christ, you're just dead. Now, I was thinking about this idea, and I was reminded of when I was in college, one of my best friends, his name was Nick Dottillo. We met my freshman year. We did ministry together. He loved Jesus with all of his heart. We'd go to retreats together. I saw him love on kids with the love of Jesus. We remained close our sophomore year, and then he just started to forget how weighty sin was. And he started hanging out with the wrong crowd. 
And he started drinking a ton, and he started smoking pot, and he started doing all kinds of drugs. He was having sex, and he just forgot how weighty sin is. And I remember time after time going to Nick and saying, Nick, like, you don't understand what you're doing. Please turn. Like, please come back to the Lord. I've seen you love Jesus. You're better than this. And I'll never forget thinking like, like, what is God going to do to get his attention? Because he is just going full speed the wrong way. He has forgotten how powerful sin can be. And I'll, I'll never forget at three in the morning, another one of my really good friends waking me up, bawling, saying, Nick died in a, Nick died in a car accident tonight. And he was going out to the country to smoke pot with two other guys, and they ran off the road into a creek. He flies through the front windshield and lands in water and drowns. Y'all, the consequences of sin is weighty. And, and for Nick that night, it brought on death. And, and spiritually, I'll tell you what's even more powerful is that sin, before we come to Christ, we are spiritually dead Sin is never a positive. I don't know if you've ever thought about it in those terms, but sin is never a positive. Like you can never justify sinning. Saying, oh, that's a good thing. Like sin is never a positive. You don't have to sin. You don't have to. Like, like you don't have to run after that relationship. Like, you don't have to stay in that relationship that you know is wrong, that you know, like, God does not want you in that relationship. You don't have to continue to gossip. It's not a positive thing. Like, like there is death there. It is weighty. You don't have to continue to try and make something out of yourself that you're not and prop yourself up for people to see and love. Like, God loves you, and that's all you need to worry about. You don't have to run after that. You don't have to sin. It's never a positive. It's weighty and you are just called to run from it. And all of us have had that time in our lives like David has where he says, my sin is right in front of me. God, I understand the weight of what I've done. And here's the beautiful thing. It doesn't begin with God's love and end with the, the weightiness of sin. I want the last point to be just as ingrained in you as the first two. See, clean me carries a promise. Clean me carries a promise. And, and in Psalm 51, verse 7, David says, Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. And if you're reading that, you're like, what in the world is hyssop? And what's important is not what it is. It's important what it did. And so if you know uh, anything about Old Testament history, which you probably don't know, like, like God commanded the Israelites to take hyssop, it's a plant, and dip it in, in blood that had been sacrificed and paint it over the door frames of their house. And at the original Passover, where God passes over, where the blood is on the doorsteps, that was his grace covering that family, those people, his people, the Israelites, and what David is saying here is actually incredibly prophetic. 
Because Jesus comes in 2,000 years ago as our hyssop, as the thing that's going to cleanse us. And because Jesus has come, he is your hyssop, like he is what purifies you. And what's so sad about all of us is we forget that as followers of Christ, we are absolutely positively clean before him. Like when he looks at you, Christian, he sees perfection. Jesus cannot look at sin. He sees perfection. And what we do is we take God's promise in this book and we walk away from it. And we would be more satisfied living in sin. And, and we would be more satisfied walking away from his promise promises that you are white as snow and we will take our lives and we'll say, yeah, even though God's made me clean and I'm completely pure, I'm going to just fill it with junk. Like, like I don't care what's going on around me. I'm just going to look like something other than clean. And then what happens is, is you look at stuff all around your life like friendships and you're like, well, maybe that's going to clean me and you try that. And you look at school activities and things going on around you and you're like, I'll get involved in that. And it still doesn't clean. And then you look at dating and you get in relationships and you give your heart away and you give your body away, but it feels good sometimes. And so you just keep running after that, but it's still dirty, like it's not clean. And then you get into sports and you try to do conditioning and you try and just compete and that doesn't work. And then you think your status and your reputation, like everybody has a rep, I've got to have a good rep. And so I'm going to try that. That doesn't work. And then you run after something like church and you think that's going to solve the problem. Well, not even church will solve the problem. Not even your body image is going to solve the problem. Not even, you ready, Dallas? Material possessions is going to clean up your life. And so you try that, and it doesn't work. And you walk away, and you look at this, and you're like, what in the world is going on? Like, I've tried everything. I can't get clean. Like, none of these things, even though they can be good things, are going to clean you up. God never wants you to forget that his blood cleanses you. And he never wants you to forget that he rescued you from darkness when he paid your sin on the cross. And he said, I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've tried. I'm going to clean you. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to give you life and to clean you up and to make your life absolutely positively clean. Like, that's what God wants for you. That's what he wants for your life. He wants your heart. He wants your mind. He wants your body. He wants you to live in the reality that God has already declared about you. That's what he wants. He wants you to live a clean life. He wants you to just remember his promise that he's called you clean. And I know in a room this size that there's two groups of people here tonight. I know that there are many of us that are followers of Christ that forget that all the time. And you need to pray, God, just remind me. Forgive me for how I mess up. Forgive me for how I make mistakes. And you need to just ask God to forgive you, that you just continue to walk in darkness even though you're clean. And then there's some of you that are here tonight 
that you've been checking out church and, and you've been coming to a small group that a friend invited you to and, and you're here tonight and this is like maybe one of the most fun things you've ever done and you're like, I'm checking out God, I, I don't know a ton, but you know you've made mistakes, you know that you need God to forgive you. And I would love for this weekend to be the beginning of your spiritual journey. Like, I would love for tonight to be the night where you say, God, for the first time in my life, I'm going to give you control. I'm going to let you come into my life. I, for, I thank you for the forgiveness. I want to receive that. And I want to put my trust and my faith in you. That's what I want. And, and I want to invite both groups whether you're in the first group or, or the second group, just to respond right now is just kind of some application. I would love for just all of us, you, you don't have to bow your heads, you don't have to close your eyes. Some of you concentrate better just by closing your eyes and bow your heads. But I, but I would just love to know, in your heart of hearts, like if you were absolutely honest with yourself, like David was so raw, so honest about his sin. Like, I would just love to know if I could pray for the first group of you that are here tonight that, that has, you've just been stuck in sin. And if, if you're honest, like David was, you would say, my sin's right in front of my face. Like, I need you to pray for me. I've made some decisions that are weighty. Like, I hate the consequences. And I just want to be prayed for. Does anybody... Does, is anybody there tonight? Like, is anybody there where, where you're like, you're just like, I need God's grace. I just need a reminder of how he loves me. Is there anybody here? You can just raise your hand and I'll pray for you. Yeah. And if somebody by you just raised their hand, just put your hand on their shoulder and let's pray. God, we want to just bask in your mercy and we want to be reminded that your grace and your blood and your mercy covers every mistake we've ever made. God, remind us that you've cleaned us. Our position in you, God, is that we are completely clean, completely forgiven. God, remind us of that tonight. Amen. Now, now I'm curious if there's a second group here tonight um, I would just love for you to feel the freedom, even in a room this size, to raise your hand if you're like, I am pretty sure that like I've never started this relationship with God and I want to start it tonight. Like whatever these people around me tonight are doing, like I want a piece of it. Like I want to put my faith, I want to put my trust, I want to put my life in God's control. Will you just raise your hand if you want that? Like if you don't think you've ever been in that place and, and you want to do that, there's one right there. Anybody else? Yeah. Anybody else? Well, well here's what I want to do, because I, I know that's a, that's a tall order, right? In front of a group of almost 600 people. I would love, in a few minutes, if there's anybody else, to go to your small groups. That's what you're going to do. You're going to go have discussion time. And one of the questions in your books is have you ever actually been cleaned? And if you haven't, like tonight is the night 
for you two to go to your group and, and for you to just say, tell me how I can start this relationship with Jesus. Like, like it's not just with a prayer. It's not just like saying, God, forgive me. It's about putting your hope and your trust in God. And we don't want anybody to leave here tonight without starting that if they haven't. Like, like that's on God's priority list. Like that's what he wants for all of you tonight. If you've never began a relationship with Jesus, tonight is your night to talk about it. And for, for the two of you that raised your hands, talk about it in your groups. And right now, I just want to pray for all of us. And, and this is what I want to do right now. I, I don't want to just pray for tonight. I don't just want to pray for your hearts. I want to pray for this whole weekend. Because I think that the God of the universe, the creator of like this whole world, is here tonight and he's passionately pursuing you. And I want all of us to be willing to jump in and say, God, I want to live a dangerous life for you. So let's all just make that our prayer right now. Can we do that? Father, God, we give you our hearts. God, I love these students. I love that they can just worship you and run after you. God, you are so awesome. You are so mighty. God, we praise you for your love. We praise you for your mercy. We praise you for your forgiveness. We praise you for how you care for us. God, we praise you that you promise us in your word that where two or more are gathered in your name, you're there. And God, we thank you that you're here, that we don't have to do anything to try and get you to show up. Like you're just here and you just want our hearts. I pray that every one of these students would just bring their hearts to you tonight, God, that, that we would bring our minds, God, that we would worship you with everything that's in us and that we would just say tonight, thank you, Lord, for your grace and for your mercy and for this reminder tonight that I am absolutely clean. And God, we confess that we just spend too much time walking around in mud, walking around in trash when that's not what you've called us to and that's not what you've said about us. God, we give you our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. That last song that we sang, we're gonna do it again. And I know that was a new song for some of you, but I, I want every one of us right now, just in this room to just shout this song out as just this declaration, God, we are clean before you because of what you did for us. Let's sing this out with everything that's in us to God right now.